Hello, friends! Welcome to Storyteller Conclave. This is a show all about helping you run the, next, the best tabletop role-playing game that you can, whether you're a new storyteller learning the craft or a experienced storyteller looking to take your game to the next level. I am Sarah. I'm Rob. How are we doing, Rob? I don't know, sir. How are we doing? Uh, we're panicking a little bit because <laughs> the text for that intro that I read every week uh, is not where I thought it was on our show sheet. And, no. Uh, so then I was like, well, I guess I'm doing this from memory then. Yep. How'd I do? I think you did great. All right, great. It, it sounded perfect to me. I, I I don't think there was a single person who had a problem with this. You salvaged the show. Did yes. I mention it was episode 55? I think you missed that, but it is episode 55. It is episode 55. At some point, we, like it's going to just become pointless for us to say what number it is. No, it's not. No, we've got to keep the tally. All right. got to keep the tally. All right. So uh, we do have a few updates um, that I'll probably go through real quick. Um, I should go through real quick. Um, some of you may have seen it on the uh, on Patreon. Um, others will see it in the channel. Uh, Patreon did start charging uh, sales tax. Now, tax is not required everywhere. Um, but it is an international thing that they finally agreed to, and there's some stuff with the EU that had to go in with it. So if you've got questions, there's some links in the Discord, um, or if you're on Patreon, you can go click on the links there. They're very, very obvious about everything. Uh, the long and short of it is, I, I think it's going to be less than 30% of anyone on Patreon is going to have to pay uh, service fee, uh, a, a tax on it, um, and most of our listeners are not going to be them. So that's that's the good news. So. Um, but the, uh, uh uh-oh, what's going on? We're having problems with the, uh, MixLR? Oh, no, he's just saying it was an, it was uh, annoying he couldn't find the stream. Ah, okay, okay. Well, uh, hopefully that it won't affect any of our listeners, um, but it might, and if it does, just contact us if you've got questions, but it, it shouldn't, honestly. Um, beyond that, uh, everything else seems to be going pretty well. Uh, I did see that we have some international listeners out there, uh, on our, our most recent, uh, we got some reporting to us. So, uh, if you're listening at us from Brazil, thank you so much for listening. Yeah, it's Uh, great. We're kind of surprised that we saw that we had some people from Europe as well. So we're, we're glad to have you, uh, please join our discord. Uh, we'd, we'd love to see you chatting in there with our, with our people and, and adding your own comments from an international location that's different than us. Absolutely, yeah. We, so. we always love a uh, love uh, fresh blood up in the uh, the Discord and uh, join the join the discussion. And everybody's welcome, of course. So today we've got some, uh, for lack of a better term, interesting topics. Yeah, uh, it's 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 a show it's a show topic that I saw kind of come up um, actually in some Twitter discussion. Uh, there was there was some yeah yeah there, there was some discourse. Yes. It happened, you know, with a capital D. But not um, bad. Not bad. Just a lot of intrigue, I think. Um, I mean, I, I, I saw an ugly side of it. Sure. There was a lot of people who were like, oh, this isn't a big deal. And, you know, why can't you just enjoy the game without bringing all this politics into it and stuff like that? And um, frankly, I don't know. I just think if you, you know, take the time to examine your story and just, you know, uh, figure out what where your influences are and stuff like that, I don't think it's a bad thing. Unless it's part of the story. Unless- and what we're talking about is stereotypes racism classism yeah um appearances uh, in some cases the uh, the discourse i saw was basically about um how orcs are all written as evil mm-hmm. um i mean it's classic yeah I mean, it is it's classic i mean it, the thing is i mean uh was it i think tolkien pretty much invented orcs pretty much um i don't think those were pulled from any previous folklore that i know of there were um there are hobbish and uh fey that uh, fit a lot of the same themes as orcs. Trolls were Hob a thing. Hobgoblins, trolls, things those like kinds that, of things. Right. But, the, but the the term, the the concept that we know as orcs, mm-hmm. definitely, I would say, was a, a Tolkien thing. Or it, it, Tolkien, at very least, hammered it home. I agree, um, and, and brought it brought it full fledged into the into the fantasy yeah. realm. Yeah, um, and uh, of course, Tolkien's elves are, or, or Tolkien, Tolkien's orcs are all um, corrupted elves. And uh, they're they're awful, horrible beings that were born in Mordor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, being that they were then moved into into Dungeons and Dragons, they were then coded as like literally. If you look at the stat block for an orc, mm-hmm. it says that they are chaotic evil. Yes, uh, the lore behind them in many of the, the the settings has them following and or created by an evil god, and that's why they have these influences and stuff of like that. Right, and. Uh, Basically, that this person on on Twitter was just kind of saying, like, you know, maybe having an entire race of sentient beings that is 
listed as evil, irrevocably, mm-hmm. like they're just evil, mm-hmm. flat out. There's no discussion about it. Right. There's no option. There's no variance. Right. Maybe that's not the greatest thing. Maybe that's a little bit racist, you know, and that maybe having the option of having them have a little, I don't know, uh, societal latitude, you know, uh, mm-hmm. a, a little mobility within their within, within their, well, their mean, alignment. Especially when you're talking about society. a race. That's like saying, yeah. I mean, granted, we all say all wasps are assholes. But, I mean, y- you you run the risk that, you know, there might may or may not be a helpful version of the insect wasp out there that, you know, is good, that we just haven't found yet because no one has a problem with them. But at the same time, when you're dealing with a whole race that, that's got multiple cultures and multiple, multiple distinctions, some of them, you know, may exist in the jungle, some of them may exist in the desert, they're going to develop different cultures, yeah. subcultures within that and those subcultures are going to be vastly different mm-hmm. in some cases so you, yeah to say that they are just inherently evil is kind of racist yeah and i mean and, the and, statement is at the very least and look look here here's the thing i don't think and and, and I'm, i want to say this from the outset because i don't want this discussion to get the same sort of 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 outcry i suppose the same sort of spin the same sort of um uh bounce back that that i saw in twitter and which which was look we're not saying that if you have evil orcs in your in your game you're you're a racist no not in the least what we're saying is that as a story element Mm -hmm. maybe it requires a little more examination Mm -hmm. and maybe when you're putting your story together maybe that's something you don't need to do right maybe we can work past that because it does carry a certain message with it right and and when you view an entire race of thinking people as evil, that's pretty, you know. I think when an individual does, yeah. the individual's racist. But when you write it into a book that it is, that this race is just inherently evil, that, that that's the way it is, that's the way the world is designed, mm-hmm. I, that's poor design. Yeah. You're not giving reason. Exactly. You know, they're like... They sold themselves to demons and only feel hate and anger in their hearts now for eternity. Well, they're not really sentient thinking beings then, are exactly. they? Exactly. Now, now now, we're dealing with somebody who's being puppet controlled. Yeah, exactly. You know, we're, we're getting closer to the undead, you know, mm-hmm. you know, thrall that's out there. Mm-hmm. Or, or, a, or a, a, a race that follows an edict less, more and, and less a, a, uh, a sentient existence, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's I think when you start examining what you're bringing into a world and why it's important to the story that that way, understanding that they have their own thoughts, personalities, existence, families, values. I mean, obviously, an evil race, you know, beats their children every day. But how did they have children in the first place? Like, right through evil, you know, fornication. Like, how? how like, we really got to get deep to get evil all the way to the core, all the way down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, to a degree, is it evil or is it just chaotic, mindless things? Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of uh, to touch upon another story, not even role playing related. Firefly mm-hmm. had a race of evil creations that wasn't a race. It was humanity that was had either gone space mad or had lost themselves and they were basically just a bunch of crazy people. Mm-hmm. The real question was how were they on ships that flew around? Right. How did they not all just murder each other and get sucked out into the vacuum of space? There was a lot of empty holes in the design of that race if you will yeah or culture you know especially especially if they were just humans yeah because you figure there's i mean a lot of the plot of firefly had to do with um the the rigmarole of running even just a simple little firefly class oh yeah yeah with nine people on it or something like that yeah i mean one part goes out and you're screwed in some cases yeah exactly and then you've got reavers who yes (laughs) you know somehow can run an unprotected core and fly through space and catch up with qualified ships and use specialized harpoon like weapons that like where did it's it's yeah i'm not gonna say it's bad writing but it's bad world building it's okay if you say it's bad writing (sighs) it's fine 
look, look, you can be critical of media. And I think that's this is another great message to have just overall for our discussion tonight. You can be critical of media without that media being bad. You can still enjoy it and be critical of it. There are a lot of things that I think are terrible, but I still watch them. Look, I started. We're not going to get into. That. I started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Oh man, this week. we are not getting into that. Does okay, that, that we would change topics. All right, let's and get back to the point at hand. That is key. It is awful, and I am enjoying the hell out of Fair it. Enough. Fair <laughs> enough. So let's get back to this. So when we think of, uh, I think our discussion really tonight, let's kind of try and focus on what has existed, um, in the past. Where did it come from? Like, what what do, what racism do we automatically have that we don't even realize we have it at times and that we're preaching when we try and run games and teach games, to, you know, teach this world to other people? Because mm-hmm. um, I always think that that's funny, that when you when you teach D&D to someone else and they give you a weird look like, why is that? And you're like, well, because that's the way it is. And they like, just give you this, like, that's dumb. And you're like, it is that known. is really dumb, actually. <laughs> yeah. Like, why is that a thing? Like, um... We have those kind of things. We are our, our existing racism, our tropes that are already out there, mm-hmm. and then examine: does that make the story better or worse or easier? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's a lot of angles to look at this. Um, so I mean, what, what are some of the classic racisms we deal with here? Um, you know, you've got your 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 main sentient races. You could, sure. Your, your dwarves are greedy little money grubbing. Uh, you know cave dwelling drunkards with giant beards with giant beards and scottish yeah. accents yes in okay. most cases in okay. most cases fake scottish scottish accents because, <laughs> that's the key because, because none of us have good scottish nobody accents. does nobody does except matt mercer he has an excellent scottish yes. accent but he's the only one allowed there's a term for that i think it's brogue is right yes. <laughs> so uh elves they're aloof they're uh, romantic they're distant they're better than everyone. Snooty. Oh, yeah. yeah. Snooty's a good oh, word for them. Elves introduce themselves to each other by saying, hi, I'm better than you. Yeah, yeah. So are are they all that way? Or, you know, is, is, is every elf better than the next elf next to them? Of course. Okay, okay. Of course. All right, all right. Um, and that guy? Yeah. He's better than the other guy. Right, yeah. right. Exactly, exactly. And 10,000 years ago, he didn't come to my dinner party, so I hate him still. Yes. Yeah, That those things. They're almost like really bad vampires. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that terrible? We'll get to the vampires oh, later. Um, halflings? Uh, short. Yep. Mischievous. Well, sh- short, short's a physical attribute, but... Well, so um, is bearded. <laughs> but but mis- along with that, mischievous and untrustworthy. Yes. I think the Kender did a really disservice to Halflings as a whole uh, right. when, when Dragonlance came out because, uh, oh God, what was that guy's name? The, the Kender in the main party in Dragonlance. Oh God, now you're making me dig. Uh, but yeah, it stole stole everything that wasn't nailed down and didn't yeah. feel bad about yep. it. Yeah, yep. Just leaned into the rogue element. Oh yeah. That there was a, that clearly they are all rogues. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, and yes, uh, I, I, I see where you're saying this. They are stereotypes. We are defining stereotypes, but a stereotype is a type of racism. Mm-hmm. Of course it is. And and really, we're talking we're talking about base races here. Yeah. And we're defining them based on what we know. And that all of these things we believe to be true are not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't have to be true. But it makes it kind of convenient because then everybody knows and kind of has a general feel of what the world is like. Sure. It simplifies things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we all know that trolls are big and dumb and clumsy. Mm-hmm. Now, almost every single world that we've ever seen in story, in design, in whatever, it's a lumbering troll. And yet they're deadly because they are so big. They're just big clumsy things like that have boulders for fists. So in that we are defining something that makes it easier for everybody to come across that, that stereotypes that makes that trope makes it easy. Sure. Sure. And absolutely. makes it accessible. And I look, I've, I've said it before on the show too, that um, when you, when you take some of the load off of what uh, your players have to imagine, you know, it makes the game world easier. You're already handing them things like magic and dragons mm-hmm. and, you know, larger-than-life story elements and stuff like that. Uh, possibly the fate of the world and stuff. You're you're asking them to imagine all of this. So th- the more that you can relate to them and the more that they can just easily say, okay, I get that. I understand that. Mm-hmm. They can put that aside. It's no longer on their mind as part of their thought load. Right. And they can move on. You know? Right. So, and I, I think that's where certain... 
certain fantasy worlds are easy for people to attach to sure. certain certain genres are easy some contemporary stuff is much easier for some people because they just don't want to have to think about the world design i'll be dead honest that's one of the reasons i haven't gotten into eberron okay uh, is because because it is so drastically different from mm-hmm. all of the other um fantasy realms like yeah. I, I i fell right into fanta- or, uh, right into uh, forgotten realms mm-hmm. you know cuz it's familiar yeah, the elves are snooty. The dwarves are drunk. The you know the mm-hmm. the, the gods are many, and mm-hmm. you know that's just what that's that's what you get. Yeah, you know the giants are big. The trolls are dumb. Mm-hmm. I I get that, but you know Eberron has so many unique ideas and so much great world building in it. But at the yeah. same time, it's really intimidating to look at all that and go, "Oh God, I'm going to have to relearn a fantasy realm." You ready? I'm not going to be able to lean on any of the stereotypes that I already know. I I can't get into Adventure Time for the same reason. Adventure Time? The show. Okay. I just can't get into it because there's too much going on in the world. Huh. Like, you watch it and you're like, I'm trying to just watch the two main characters. Mm -hmm. That's it. I'm just trying to watch them. And every five seconds I'm thrown into this is what the world is like and the world is so different. (laughs) And it's like... How much of this stuff do I have to memorize so that, like, 27 episodes in, I'm finally like, oh, my God, the Candy Queen is actually this, and he's a boy, and he's, like, a 100,000 generations from from where we... Well, what? You know, I'm sorry. This is too much. This is too much. I can't absorb all of this crap. (laughs) You know, and especially when, like, someone comes to me and tells, like, oh, you you watch Adventure Time. Well, what did you think of blah, 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 blah? And I'm like... I have no idea the words that came out of your mouth. It means nothing to me. I understood all of those words individually. Not to say that it is an amazing show with amazing world building and some unbelievable topics that they crush. But at the same time, I'm like, that's just, it's a lot. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to dedicate. Mm -hmm. You know, I I think Star Wars sometimes is that for people. You know, where they're just like, who? Ahsoka who? What? What are you talking about? There's Han Solo, Leia, you know, Luke. Like, what are you talking about? Who are yeah. these other people? Oh, they're part of the Clone Wars. Yeah, that was like, what, 30 seconds in one of the movies? Like, right, right. I, I, I think Ben talked about it, like, in passing, that he was part of it. And in that, I think it was a... It was confusing for a lot of people that now we have all this extra canon. Mm-hmm. So... Well, yeah, I mean, that's definitely me. Like, I, I really haven't gotten into into any of that stuff. Um, I mean, I'll be dead honest, and, and I know I'm probably, you know, taking a lot of people off when I say this. I don't really care about Star Wars all that much. So, like, my, 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 my give up, you know, give an F was not uh, not high enough to actually slog through any of that stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, that was a barrier of entry for me. Where mm-hmm. it was like, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. this character's this, and this character's... Okay, right. No, no, I'm checked out already. Like, um... So okay, we talked about we talked about like racial stereotypes and stuff. Like that. What about class stereotypes? Um, I think there's a lot of that that I we mean, can do, go into. Do we like, depend on that sort of stuff? Well, which part of class are we talking? Are we talking about D and D classes? Are we talking about Are we talking about defined classes by the system? Like D and D has fighters classes, yeah, and in that sense, the fighters are dumb, mm-hmm. you know, and wizards are smart but not wise, and then you have rogues who are stabby. Mm-hmm. You know, and and thievy, and you have your you know your bards who are lore wise, but you know, and and cultured. Well, the bard, the well, no, the, the stereotype of bards is you want to sleep with everybody. Well, that's uh, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, and I I think that the Arklich rises from his tomb. I rolled a seduce. Yeah, but the question is, is that are you then imploring that in your story? Right, right. And I, I, I really, like, that's honestly one of my favorite aspects of character creation is trying to think outside of those boxes, and thinking of, like, what are fun ways I can make this character that, you know, like like Bards, for instance. You know, I think Bards are a great example um, because, there's honestly, there's such vibrant characters, and especially in 5th edition, they've got so many different um, subclasses where they can express their themselves in different ways right you've actually got a couple different martial ones like uh college of swords mm-hmm. and uh college of uh valor um are two really great ones where it actually turns you almost like halfway into a warrior you know right um and like i've had bard concepts in the past too where you know i know you're supposed to use an instrument mm-hmm. um you know as a, as a spellcasting focus but um there were orators 
Yeah. You know, singers, they, they were just storytellers, essentially motivational speakers, st- storytellers, lore Nothing masters, wrong with that, yeah. you know, and like, yeah, okay. They, look, they, they knew, they knew how to play instruments because that's just kind of what you pick up when you're a storyteller like mm-hmm. that. But you know, your bardic inspiration, all of your spell casting was all poetry. Right. You know, and, and you can do just as much with that. And, uh, you know, uh, then I had, you know, obviously the choice between persuasion or intimidation. I went to intimidation with it. Mm-hmm. Because the ability to just look someone in the eye and just... Talk them down. Talk them down and just belittle them mm-hmm. and, you know, yep. make make yourself... Put yourself with nothing more than your words and your attitude mm-hmm. into a position that you are over somebody. Would you say those were cutting words? Those were cutting words, yes. yes. But so these are things that we know to be true. These are stereotypes. These are tropes. How do those cross over? Like, because our and everybody's talking about this is that it's it you're not necessarily being antagonistic about it. These aren't necessarily coming into the story, but when they but we do bring them into story. We do have players who look at you know oh we've caught this thief. Mm-hmm. I'm just a rogue, dude. I, I I literally can pick a lock. Yeah, whatever. You know, I'm a locksmith. That's my job. No, no, you're a rogue. That means you're gonna steal everything. Like, we brought those from the books that tell us about the class into a prejudice in game. Mm-hmm. And I think that carries straight through. I think everybody knows, and it's I, it's it's terrifying to say it, but I don't think there's been a single game that I've been in that has combat-ready players who understand, like, combat and how it moves that haven't said when walking into the door, okay, which one's the wizard? We have to take them out first. Yeah. Like... Is that prejudice? Is that tactics? I I think that one's tactics. Right. I think when you then take it and you and you go into something like, uh, and I'm going to say it, uh, there was a great line between two of my players at the table mm-hmm. where one literally looked at the other and said, all right, spell beggar, what do you want? <laughs> Talking to a cleric. Now, I think that's a little prejudice, but mostly stabby. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that's definitely cutting in, in what your statements. But I think when you start using... Those tropes that are out of the books that mm-hmm. we've we've kind of defined into antagonistic steps in the book, you know, uh, inside of it, whether you're the player or the storyteller, like, you know, when someone sees a rogue, a roguish type person, and mm-hmm. the guards immediately start asking them questions, yeah, that that's profiling. Yeah, like you're you're literally coming after me because I have daggers on my hip and I'm wearing leather armor. Right. That's it. That's right. the, that's the whole thing. I you, you, you didn't you, see me do anything wrong. Right. I'm not in the bad part of town. It's broad daylight. Yeah. You know. You're orange skinned and have tusks. You're coming with us. Why? You're an orc. You're evil. Uh I'm Toby. I I work for the butcher. <laughs> like, <laughs> we just got here and I'm literally unloading meat. Is it the meat of humans? No, it's a cow. Look at it. <laughs> But that's that's the thing is is that when you when when either the storyteller is doing that or players are immediately making assumptions mm-hmm. based upon tropes or stereotypes, that's when racism starts rearing its ugly head. Yeah. Or classism when you're talking about nobles not giving a crap about people. I, I think I think a lot of people the, the they like they they the problem is is it's it's kind of it's 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 almost an off branch of metagaming. Mm-hmm. You know, because you're you're thinking about it in terms of a game rather than thinking of it in terms of a story at that point, you know. You're looking at a what should be a living breathing person. Right. And saying you are a level 4 rogue rather than saying that's Bob. Yeah. You know. I think that's that's a different way to look at it. Another way is when you is like what I was saying, making it easy. Like you walk into a well-known city, and it, I'm not even going to explain a world to you. I'm literally just going to paint out a single scene that could be the opening zero. Right? Mm-hmm. You've got one of the characters, a noble, and I explain to him that he has to go. He's loaning mon- money to one of his uncles and so the opening scene is him walking to the bank as he passes through its marble halls with high counters and you know adamantine bars in front of goblins dressed finely in suits counting stacks of gold as he makes his way to the end you know what i'm doing with that scene Uh there's no question what i'm doing there am i being racist to those goblins well uh you may be i mean i'm definitely stereotyping them yeah you know, at that point, at the end of the counter, when he finally reaches the head of the bank, who is an ugly-looking goblin with spectacles on his eyes, clearly older than the rest of them, commanding them, you know, and you have to negotiate with him to get access to your own funds, 
you know, through some secret means. Yes, I'm kind of going off of Harry Potter here. Don't dig me into it too far that. But again, we're putting it to a point of we're defining who these people are in the world. Well, I think that that, that actually I'm, I'm glad you brought that example up because that, that, that branches into something else that I wanted to talk about. Sure. Now, which was coding. Yes. Okay. Now, coding is, for those not familiar, is a term um, used to essentially use a uh, a fantasy or a um, a fictional stand-in for a real-world demographic. Um, so, yeah, the goblins you just described, you didn't say that they were Jewish. No. But you used all of the negative Jewish stereotypes. Agreed. And I may be using more in my story. I- exactly. Which... And so, you know... Right. Is that really something you want to do? I mean, are we using, you know, is is that a, are, are they coded as that? I don't know. Well, I think the same you could know. be said in, in a different kind of coding and in, in, in the sense that a lot of people will look at a certain, uh, the way people portray certain alien races as very Klingon. Yeah. You know, and you're like, okay, well, this is just another Klingon race, mm-hmm. you know, and now we know everything about them. You right, know, right, right, right. We, we look at, like, the Ferengi in Deep Space Nine, a whole race that were strapped around a a culture of money mm-hmm. and acquisition. Brutal capitalism. Brutal capitalism. Yeah. But they were all unique. Like, each one of them was different, but still following that mm-hmm. mentality. And that in that story, yeah, there was a lot of... Uh, a lot of uh, coding that went into that, clearly, mm-hmm. that they were talking about a capitalistic race that had reached an nth degree, but we, you still had unique characters. You still had mm-hmm. unique moments that weren't bent hard against that, that every time it had to go in that direction. It was stated, it was driven, mm-hmm. but it was not the only thing in that story. So in that, I think coding can help a reader, a listener, a a, a player, it it can it can the the only the only real danger with coding is that you want to just make sure that you're not leaning on negative stereotypes um it's it's okay to say like oh, okay so for instance um we run an elder scrolls game yeah uh the red guard yes are very heavily arabian coded without a doubt okay their architecture a lot of their society and stuff mm-hmm. like that they're they're not arabian because uh, because, you know, Arabia does not, you know, the, the entire Middle East does not exist right. as we know it in Tamriel. No. But they're heavily coded as that sort of society. This, uh, you know, the, the Nords of Skyrim are very Viking coded, mm-hmm. you know, but again, they're not Vikings. No. Because those lands don't exist. Those stories don't exist in right. Tamriel. Right. Um, but I think the important thing is though, is that like... You're not using the negative stereotypes to code the Red Guard. You okay. Know? Um, they are, uh, you know, uh, dark skin, very Arabian coded. There's, but there's, there's none of the like, um, God, I don't even, I don't even know what what religious zealousy. Yeah, religious terrorism. Zealousy, yeah, things like that. Like all the negative stereotypes you would think would would come out of that. There's none of that. They are a proud warrior race. Yes. But they're honorable, they're they're respected, well liked, um, seafaring race, you know things like that. But they're, you know, if you you can code things without delving into, you know, all the negative racial stereotypes and stuff like that, and reinforcing that again at your table. Right, right. I mean, I'm I'm reading some. I'm, I'm, the, our chat is going crazy, which is great. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I love how you guys talk back and forth, and, and there's a lot of conversation that's. M- a couple seconds behind us, which is neat, uh-huh. um, and and we do have our, our, our list of where we're going, uh, but Mad Elf just said, anytime we label something, we put a lot of assumptions around the item person being labeled. This can be streamlined how we recognize and interact with them at that point, mm-hmm. and I think that's true. A lot of times, especially storytellers will use, and I've done it in the past, where I've used movie references, people references, sure. uh, culture references. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't start with that often. I might yeah. do it for a visual just to give some people a visual representation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll never lean so hard as to say, like, it's this person's and all of this negative stuff about them. I'll never lean into that because that's that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give them a good, accurate description and then give them an idea of where that's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've used cultures in the past um, 
in, in a lot of different lights, Romanesque cultures, where, you know, you, you've got a city, you've got a sanatorium, you've got guards that are well-trained and well-fed and well-armored, you know, that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing gives you an image of Rome in your mind, you know, uh, you know, when you, when you talk about like a, a standing force, that's small, but fierce, you know, you're like, it feels a lot like 300, you know, where they're yeah. all just standing there with spears. Like, again, I'm giving a reference but I'm not trying to state that they're, you know, anything negative about that group in any way. I'm not re-referencing it where it's very easy to do that without realizing you're you're leaning into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, I mean, I, I think world building is hard. Mm-hmm. And uh, in, in a lot of ways, um, you know, when we, when we search for an answer, when we, you know, kind of dig into our muse... And go well. I got to come up with something for this. Mm-hmm. Where, where in my imagination am I going to come up with this? Our subconscious does tend to just hand us the easiest, quickest thing. Usually, yeah. What we, what we've, what we've created. And so sometimes those quick, easy shortcuts uh, need a little more examination. Mm-hmm. Is all. And it's it's real quick and easy to grab to grab a stereotype and just throw it out there and just be mm-hmm. like, it's this. Yeah. But you know, uh, sometimes you do want to. Especially when you're defining whole races of people or something like that, mm-hmm. you know, you really want to be careful which ones you grab. So. Right? Yeah, and take your time. I, I think that's the big thing that we're the overall moral of our of our discussion that we're trying to get or, or point that we're trying to get across is take the time to examine why you're putting something in a story, mm-hmm. why someone is the way they are, why, why a group of people are the way they are. Are you doing it because it's the easy way? Are you doing it because it makes sense? Mm-hmm. Or are you crafting something to make sense that it fits that moment in time? Yep. And sometimes you do need to do that because you're trying to get a single point across of like, why is Wormtail an asshole? Well, his whole culture is an asshole. Eh, that's kind of bad. Yeah. Like he, he probably is a jerk. Let's find out why he's a jerk. Mm-hmm. Let's not just say his whole group is jerks. Yeah. You know, and maybe he is the chosen jerk who's going to fulfill something for them in the, that, you know, like they crafted him up to this point and boom, you're going to be the one jerk who's going to take care of this problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fine. Design it that way. That's great. No problem with that whatsoever. There, there have been countless stories where basically someone has been built up that you are the assassin who will kill so-and-so. And we've defined, like, we've been oppressed for 100,000 years and tried all kinds of things, but instead we just made a genetic monster who's going to murder this guy. Mm-hmm. And that's going to solve all of our problems. No, it's not. It's not. That moment's going to create chaos and hell. But you know what? They're dedicated to that mission. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. That's fine. That's a culture. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so... So one of the things I really liked about the uh, uh, about the dark elves in the Elder Scrolls setting, okay, is that again, you know, in most other settings, especially like Forgotten Realms, your dark elves are all, you know, all evil. But uh, the Elder Scrolls setting, they've, I mean, I would say they're probably the closest thing to an evil race that the Elder Scrolls has. But there's a lot of culture and world building and a lot of latitude within their society as far as. Um, you know, good and evil and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, they, they tend to be unscrupulous about things. Mm-hmm. They tend to value power over much else. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to say that they're all evil as a, as a, as a race, absolutely not. And, and the reasons why that their cultures were, you know, were, were made that way, um, was, you know, very, uh, very well defined in the lore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, reaching out to the Daedra, uh, the, in, in some of the, some of the more, I would say evil Daedra, Okay. Um, to forge them in fire, essentially. Right. You know, if we have these gods at our back, right? Who's going to mess with us? Honestly, exactly. Right. Right. But then, even then, even then, those guys have what they call the House of Troubles, mm-hmm. and that's four very evil Daedra that they're mm-hmm. like, okay, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure, we went, we may worship uh, Azura, Mafala, and uh, uh, Boethia, mm-hmm. which are arguably harsh. Mm-hmm. But you don't touch those four because they are literally nothing but murder and death and awfulness. Right, right. Nothing good will come from touching those four. So e- right. even they've got limits to like, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, where, where they sit. Yeah. Right. right. So that, that makes sense. So I, I guess what it comes down to is, um, and the group has kind of put this out there, is do we accept this level, uh, do we accept levels of classism and racism to make it easy for our players to mm-hmm. be in our worlds, to simplify the world. I think I think at a certain point it doesn't simply it, it oversimplifies it. I agree. 
Uh, I think you need to trust your players. Uh, I think a little story, give you know, uh, what am I trying to say? A little complexity in your story mm-hmm. um, is not something to be afraid of. You don't have to go into 2,000 years worth of history as to why your orcs aren't aren't evil. Mm-hmm. But just allow for the latitude that they aren't and give them a little thought to how their society is instead of just saying, oh, they're just evil marauders. Right. And go from there. And I think you'll find your players will enjoy that a little bit more. So I'm going to bounce back to a question that Matt L threw in because he was he was hoping to get this in in previous shows. Yeah, sure. But it fits here, I think, really well. And that is, most of us engage in RPGs for entertainment. Would you consider running a game with players interested in a t- in the topic of exploring serious issues associated with race, species, class, poverty, and wealth, not class character character class, and other demographics? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I think. I think if players were interested in it, totally. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I mean, there are some games out there, for instance, there's, I know there is a um, superhero game that focuses on family life and personal struggles. Hmm. Okay. It, like, literally the superhero aspects of it, because you're a teen in it. Mm-hmm. You're basically one of the... Um, teen Titans sort of thing? Uh, sort of, but less Teen Titans, more of New Mutants. Okay. Uh, if you're familiar with the difference, yeah, yeah. where where they're struggling like hell to keep their identities and who they are and like uh, secret and still have a normal life, sure, okay. you know, um, you know, less Peter Parker, you know, striding through school like it's no big deal, and mm-hmm. more like um, uh, struggling day to day with identity. Uh, and your powers, and everything else that's going on in, in existence. Sure. Being um, a teenager is tough enough, let alone throwing superpowers into Exactly. Things. So when you got something like that, and you're, the game is, that's what the game is centered around, is those types of struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you could easily throw in the other elements of classism and racism, and the examination therein. Yeah, absolutely. Because when you're dealing with, once you step away that combat is not the conflict, mm-hmm. that evil really you know whatever the evil is you know bad guys you know that kind of stuff that's literally other parts of the story that's the background that's what we would consider you know gear maintenance uh of of D, you know like oh we've got to go to the store and get more arrows and spells and things like that like that's combat in these games yeah you know yeah. the real the real struggle is oh crap i came home and i'm an hour late dad's gonna be pissed well is dad going to be pissed and take away your iPhone because you're rich and you can, you know, you won't have car rights mm-hmm. or do you get home to a drunk, mm-hmm. you know, and now the door's locked. You don't get to come in the house. Yeah. Cause he's already passed out on the couch. Mm-hmm. So do you try and break in or do you go stay somewhere else? And those are the kinds of struggles that these games put forth. And it really does shine a light on, those other pieces yeah yeah to you know because the you have players who are rich players who are poor you know and that makes a huge difference there i think the big question is uh and and really this is this is per group to decide i don't think there's any right answer here oh no yeah um you know are you playing a a tabletop role-playing game to escape Mm -hmm. or to confront yeah you know uh i think uh a lot of my gaming is to escape Mm-hmm. Um, I would say I'm an expert at, at escapism. Um, it's it's honestly my probably one of my biggest defense mechanisms. <laughs> uh, I, I I don't like confronting, but at the same time though, there are like there were characters that I made um, specifically to kind of do table therapy for yeah. you know aspects of my life and stuff like that. That that I I kind of want to you know I want to tell a story about, and maybe this time I want to get a good outcome. You know, seven C for me was escape, pure escape. Mm-hmm. I wanted candy and fun, and I threw in occasional uh, moments of of craziness to 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 have reason of why this was challenging. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gave me that escapism. Um, when I play in your games, I feel it is much more of a day to day kind of grind feel mm-hmm. to a degree. Uh, and that your stories are very, uh, your stories are meaning as meaningful as the players push them to be. Okay. Yep. You're not. You're setting the world out and saying, okay, what meaning are you taking from this moment? Mm-hmm. And we create it, and then you follow it. Yeah. You 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 kind of, if we push it in this direction, you're there to just kind of 
hold the edges to keep it flowing in a direction, and we're pushing the flow. I'd say that's fair. Um, And that flow is stress or anxiety or whatever else we're pushing against it. Mm -hmm. Um, And you just kind of keep it going in the direction. Uh, Whereas, uh, and and forgive me, on on my games, I tend to do more of a a lighthearted, you know, here's an image of something. Mm -hmm. Let's paint some fun. You know, let's paint by numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so, where I don't want people to be stressed at the end of my games. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I want them to feel like they've come through something I, and, and enjoyed it. And if if it does get to a stressful point, that there's a way out. There's another moment out. I feel like as I've gotten older, my attitude on this has changed a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I think, I think back in my 20s, I was far more willing to sit down and play World of Darkness Okay. And and like no, it's it's just it's it's the world of darkness. Throw all those gritty things at me, you know. Let's let's be let's all be edge lords at the same time, at the same table, you know. <laughs> yeah. Put throw all the sexism and racism and stuff at that in there, and you know I've got I've got superpowers, so I'm gonna go I'm gonna go punch this guy in the face, you know. Right. But I think as time has gone on, I've realized that maybe I'm I don't want that kind of game anymore. I kind of do want the escapism, you know. I want at the end of the day to be able to conquer the evil and say we were the victors, we were the good guys. And feel good about that and not have to deal with, you know, such mundanities as racism and sexism and classism and stuff like that. Like, I think there are aspects of villainy in games. Yeah. And, I, and there are I, aspects of a, of a shitty world in games. I think Shadowrun does a good job of it. Yeah. That you've got runners who are struggling against it, but those runners are all struggling against it somewhat together. Yeah. And there may be some discussions in between them because you might have a rich person in there who's in it for the fun, mm-hmm. whereas you've got another runner in there who's trying to survive in a world that hates them yeah, and that's trying to kill them on a day-to-day basis. Absolutely. And I think that's where things like um, – where we talk about um, aspects like uh, reputation and how reputation can can be used in-game against NPCs even, mm-hmm. you know um, – Powerful scenes in Seventh uh, C, where you you might have a character like Invadachi slap his uh, his Vadova, his second wife, mm-hmm. you know, who basically is just there to have a child for him, but he would never touch his courtesan. And the player set up a situation where, in court, he slaps his courtesan, not realizing that he did it. Mm-hmm. And now there, that person's out. Like they, they bro- <laughs> like you, you don't do that. You, you can't, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're, like, ridiculously powerful and then nobody questions why you did something evil and wrong. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think reputation can come around in that direction, too, just as much as it can in any game. I think you can you can use reputation to turn some of those things in a logical manner where people start agreeing with it. Mm-hmm. You know, or use it in, in even in some of the historical stuff that 7C puts in there where there is a lot of racism and classism, but it's a historical setting. Right. Yeah. I think 7C does its best try to uh, emulate, uh, eight, was it 18th century? Yeah. Yeah. 18th century Europe, you know, as, as much as it possibly can. So you do have those things baked into the story just simply because it is trying to give you almost like a, a black mirror sort of, you know, yeah. uh, analog to 18th century Europe. And how it can be changed. Right. So, all right, let's hit some questions before we lose our time here. Yeah, absolutely. We get some good questions. All right, where do you want to go? Um, I want to start with Sam. Okay. Normally I see goblins and orcs being used as the enemy, and it seems that they aren't in a good light, even in the books too. Are there any situations that they are seen as good or helpful? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I talk a lot about my Elder Scrolls setting, mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, the Elder Scrolls uh, has orcs as a playable race. Yeah. Um they are uh they're actually technically elves. Mm-hmm. Um that were strongly tied to a uh one of the older gods, Trinimac. Mm-hmm. Uh Trinimac was um essentially assaulted, killed, and eaten by another another Daedra named uh Boethia. Yeah. And uh, in, a, in a grand act of betrayal, it, it, there's a lot of story that I'm washing over here. Right, but, right, right. Um, but essentially, good. yeah, when when uh, uh, when Trinimac went through this ordeal and was eaten by by Boethia, mm-hmm. uh, was essentially um, purged out to the other side as a twisted abomination known as Malakath, right. uh, which then essentially turned him from this pinnacle god of goodness into the god of vengeance and uh, also known as the Pariah God. Mm-hmm. Uh, along with him, his people made this change and were turned into the green-skinned orcs. Right. 
Um, since then, they've kind of gotten the ass end of society. Everybody mm-hmm. has tried to kill them, which leads to a real chicken and egg question for me of would people be trying to kill them if they weren't tied to a god that is the pariah god? Right. right. Does he bring that misfortune on them? Or do people legitimately just hate the orcs for actually good reasons? I don't know. Right. I think, in, like, in my world that mm-hmm. I, I've been working on, I have history. So I have a, a timeline of when orcs were one way and orcs are a di- or, and gobl- or goblins were one way and goblins are now a different yep. race almost totally. Yep. They're very supportive um, because they, they found what where they fit and people accepted them mm-hmm. for who they were. And so now they're a different mm-hmm. race and our, my players are struggling with it. They're yep. like, uh, who? What? No, we got to kill those things. No, no, <laughs> they're fine. They're fine. What do you mean they're fine? And that's the difference there is that it depends on how the portrayal. I've, I've seen a few other worlds um, – where goblins are very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, World of Warcraft has goblins that are not necessarily evil. They're just a race. Uh, so I think there are a lot of elements out there where you can see um, goblins, orcs, I mean, as different races, as powerful races, mm-hmm. as controlling races uh, that are not just one-sided evil. I saw, yeah, I saw a really great breakdown. Uh, I think it was somebody up on Tumblr was talking about um, this exact concept of uh, goblins as an evil race mm-hmm. and thinking, like, maybe goblins aren't evil. They're just misunderstood from mm-hmm. the standpoint of their cultural norms are so different from ours. Mm-hmm. And things that are normal in their culture are strongly taboo and and fought against in ours and seen as offensive right so we think of them as thieving little jerks but what they really are is they just a society with no concept of personal belongings correct like if it's not physically on you you don't value it what, what do you mean you own that right i don't understand it's not a word that we have yeah it's not a word we have if i need it i just take it right. and if somebody else needs it they'll take it from me too right you know and that's just society that's just how we function because we're a collective yeah you know we're there was a <laughs> semi-autonomous commune <laughs> that's right we take it in turns to be... but uh one of the things that i thought was interesting is uh that uh somebody had asked and i want to say it was probably related to that uh but it came up on reddit was uh goblin artifacts mm-hmm. things that they legitimately craft because there has to be crafters there has to be someone sure. who's making quality items sure why aren't there any and the reason being is maybe their culture reveres those most of all that they're hidden locked away behind walls that they've built because they made it mm-hmm. and that's super powerful to them yeah yeah it's you know possible and I, I think that would be neat if you created a an actual tomb or a dungeon for goblin crafted things that are protected you know Mm -hmm. you know a goblin hammer like the first goblin hammer you've never seen a goblin hammer for the same reason you've never seen the inside of a pharaoh's tomb (laughs) probably for the same reason yeah yeah. Yeah. all right let's grab another one okie doke uh let's see here technolich asks uh has there been a lot of talk there has been a lot of talk lately about races being codified forms of real world racism uh, some have even gone, gone so far as to suggest doing away with racial stat adjustments. Any thoughts on this? Uh, I, I think I think if you're talking like physical differences, I don't think those are stereotypes. I think those are actual physical differences. <laughs> like ca- cats, me saying a cat always lands on its feet is not uh, an aspect of racism or, or, you know, racial stereotyping on, on cats. It's literally just a biological function they have of being able to twist their bodies and reorient them. Mm-hmm. Like it's science. There, there is a certain aspect of that. Now, if we're talking subset of the same species, right. You know, it's one thing if we're talking like dark skinned humans versus light skinned humans. Okay. Let's not go there subterranean cultures versus surface cultures sure sky cultures sure you know i think there's some biological differences there you could be like well subterranean cultures are going to have different eyes Mm -hmm. and basically they get you know advantages in subterranean areas they can see better but also in sunlight they have problems sure you know um you could say the same thing for hot and cold areas yeah the nords of skyrim come from atmora a place north of Skyrim, <coughs> right. which is known to be a frozen wasteland. Correct. And they're, so they're inherently resistant to cold. Right. They wear a t-shirt when it drops below, you know, below, below freezing because right. it's starting to get a little, 
a little chilly. Yeah. 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 Maybe I'll wear long sleeves today. If they see things dripping because ice is melting, they're uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> like, the, can we get a breeze? Oh, God, it's the thaw. Whew. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to need a beer to cool myself <laughs> exactly, off. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think that some racial adjustments are, or cultural adjustments based upon region and build, yeah. I think I think biologically you could have some of those things, but I think there especially are especially when we're talking about things like literally physically different races, right. like but, dwarves and elves. But if you're you talking know. about like a charisma modifier, you're prettier, yeah, or you can talk nicer, yeah. Like, are you saying that because your average lifespan is four times the span of mine, you're better at talking than I am? I assure you, I can be just as much of a disaster in social situations a hundred years from now as I am today. Exactly. And I think that's where things start to get, like, wisdom, charisma, things like that start to bother me a little bit there. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Uh, Knox threw a question at us. I, lo- I love how you, you typoed this and you wrote box in a box. I did, I did. Because uh, I was ha- quick typing on my tablet, which <laughs> You're spending too much time down here in the basement. <laughs> I'm also drinking. Uh... Is it unreasonable expectation to ask your DM not to oppress your character by means of the world and the NPCs when the race of your chosen character is one that may be canonically held in poor reputation? Can't I just play a drow or a tiefling or a goblin and not be also harassed in my fantasy escape when I uh, might be getting enough of that in real life? Is this just the price of admission you need to pay for playing those races? No, absolutely not. No, um, I, I, I think it's reasonable to to ask. Yeah, I, I think it's. I think if you're if you're going to be playing in a game and they've they've outlined the world and they've outlined mm-hmm. where the races are and what it fits in, and you're like, eh, I really wanted to play this race because I like the attributes and I like you know some of the things about it. Do they have to be hated like this? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's something bad to ask a DM. I don't think so either. And and I th- I think any responsible storyteller is going to handle topics like that um, in a session zero. You know, yes. like, like I said earlier, are, are we are we playing this game to confront or to escape? Yeah. And I think if you're playing to confront and you still decide, you know, if you all decide that those will be aspects, that you're going to play a little more gritty, a little more possibly realistic i suppose um you know where where there are hateful elements um in in your society and such like that um and you still decide to play one of those npcs then you know okay maybe that is the price of admission but honestly the storyteller could just not yeah it's it's that easy to just not single you out for physical attributes or racial attributes or things like that and just continue with the story and if you're a storyteller who has a race Maybe you've picked one of the races, like you're you're doing an, a D and D game, mm-hmm. and you're saying, okay, I have a specific race in this area that uh, that I'm going to be affecting, and they're affected this way, mm-hmm. and so I and you know I, I I I need them to be a certain way because the culture has done a certain thing. Sure, like if if it's a local thing, like these people are being oppressed here, mm-hmm. like there's slavery and. They're the people who are being enslaved. Mm-hmm. Now, that's going to be very important in the story because they could be freed. They could, they could just be glossed over. But it, it's an important aspect that slavery is happening here. Sure. And it's not just their race, but their race is one of the ones that are heavily involved in it because it's this area. Mm-hmm. And your player's like, well, I don't want to be considered a slave person. Okay. Uh, how? Let's talk about how you got out of slavery. Yeah. And that the, they value the fact that you're out of it. Like... Maybe people look at you like, well, you were a slave once, but you're not anymore. So exactly, you know, you've exactly. earned your right to be where you are. Let's talk about what that means. Exactly, you know, and and I I, th- I think that um you know it also kind of comes down to you know the the, the whole uh, X card thing mm-hmm. where you know if, if if you find that you know the storyteller the story is moving in a direction where you're uncomfortable with how it's how it's doing that you're not enjoying that aspect of your character anymore. I definitely think every table should have the option to just X card that and just be like, okay, no, I'm not. I know what I, I kind of know what I signed up for when I started making this character. Right. But now that it's playing out, I'm yeah. not comfortable with it anymore. Yep. And I'm finding I'm really not enjoying it. Can we talk about this? Sure. And yeah. then you can lay out a whole bunch of different options. Absolutely. Different character. Absolutely. Different situation. Move from the area. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Num- number of ways to handle that situation. Yeah. All right. Grab another one. Alrighty, we're gonna go right back up to Technolich, who okay. asks, uh, "I have, uh, I have a, dr- oh, sorry, I have a draw 
to weird characters. Usually the less human, the better. What are some ways to work with a player's desire to embrace their inner alien without derailing the game? Mm. Um, I think a lot of what I tend to do, because we, we have a, a Khajiit, a cat person mm-hmm. in, uh, in our group. Mm-hmm. Um, what I tend to do is just uh, as I'm describing scenes mm-hmm. and I'm describing possibly how, how things affect them. Um, I lean directly into her feline aspects. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll describe how things feel on her hair. I'll describe how her whiskers are standing on on edge. Mm-hmm. I'll describe something you know tickling at the ta- at the tip of her tail. You know things like that that will that will uh, uh, put her back in into the mindset that she's not a human woman that she's portraying a a, a Khajiit at my table. Yes. Um, I, I like how you do that. And I think that's an important part of just general storytelling perception that when you're talking to your players directly and you're giving them their version of the perception, not necessarily a general, you'll probably do that mm-hmm. in most ways, but if a player is going into something, give it to them from their perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think that helps get them into that character type. So, I mean, if they want to play an alien type race, Lean into it with them. Oh, yeah. There's no reason why an alien race can't be played into something and people can't treat them with oddity, with the, the, the same indifference as the Uncanny Valley. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's it, it's being stereotyped or raised. Yes, you could put that in the story, but it's it's not an important aspect of it. No. It's not part of the... They're not that part of the story. Unless that player says, I want to overcome this in the story. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of my goals. Like, maybe if they're writing their goal sheet, because I know there's... I'm trying to think of a couple games that have that, where it's like, okay, my goal for this week, uh, like Mouseguard has, yeah. is to overcome the stereotypes of my community that, you know, mind flares are all evil, suck, you know, face brain-sucking creatures. Okay, that's your goal? Yeah, that means I got to put it in the story. Shit. Okay. <laughs> Let's get started. You know, and now now you have that, but if the player's not asking for it, don't put it in there. Mm-hmm. Just have like, you know, you could have still have people who are just like, you know, as you're walking down the street, you know, and, you know, your tendrils are going everywhere that, you know, a mother may grab their child and pull them off to the side, you know, and, you know, you come over there and present the child with a little doll and the mother's like, oh, okay. I just wanted her to get out of the way of the fighters, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's not this. No, no, no. Actually, she kind of likes your tendrils, you know, <laughs> tendrils, you know. <laughs> and 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 that's the thing is, is that if you don't want it to have an aspect in your story, don't have it be an aspect in your story. What am I? Uh, I I had a uh, long time ago when I first met Draven, uh, one of our one of our Patreon uh, members uh, was uh, dealing with a a mind flayer character. And actually grabbed him by the tentacles mm-hmm. and like lifted him up. It was like, do you guys actually have mouths under there? <laughs> and I still remember that to this day. One of my yeah. funniest moments of. <laughs> no, I I I think there are definitely aspects in any game where you have players who like playing different things, or who have players who stick to specific um, character classes or or designs, and they want to stick with that. And that's mm-hmm. fine. Lean into it. Let them be that in that world. Yeah. They may want to do that all the time. Like, you might have a player who always wants to ride horses, even in space. Whatever. You know, it <laughs> we'll, happens. We'll, we'll figure it out. We'll, we'll figure it out. Like, we'll do some know, math. Space wolves, whatever. You know? Mm-hmm. Make, make it happen. And I think that's really where we need to remember that our players are people and that we don't have to incorporate stress that isn't necessary in it. That, yep. You know, just remember the stress levels of where everybody's at. All right. I think we got, uh, it's, a, it's a good time to wrap up. Um, our next week's topic is going to be about min-maxing. Yes. Uh, when is the right time and when is the wrong time to min-max your character and power game at the table? Um, so you can find us on Twitter at ST underscore Conclave, on uh, Instagram on, uh, at ST underscore Conclave. On MixLR, uh, those thank you for those of you listening live right now, uh, and you can find us at 7 p.m. every Wednesday night. Eastern. Uh, Eastern time, I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, MixLR.com slash Storyteller dash Conclave. And on Discord. You can find the Discord link on, uh, up on our website, uh, and you can find it uh, in our Twitter uh, mm-hmm. account as well. Yep. Uh, join us, uh, join the discussion there. Yep. Uh, thank you so much to our Patreon members who are being oh so kind to us, especially Knox in the Box, Sam, and the Arcane Asylum. We really appreciate everything you're doing Big for us. Big shout out to you guys. Our intro music is Beyond the Warriors by Geefrock. You can find that at geefrockmusic.webly.com. Our outro music, which you're hearing now, is Only Our Footprints in the Sand by Midair Machine. You can find that at soundcloud.com slash midairmachine slash track. 
And I want to give a big shout out, as always, to our families, Vicky and Sean. Uh, today is our eighth, my eighth anniversary. Happy anniversary Sean. to thank both you, of you, thank you, you thank and you. Sean. Definitely love you, sweetheart. All of our friends who have sat with us at our tables over the years, and to you, our listeners, every single one of you. Thank you. We love thank you. you. Love you guys. Good night. Good night.